Hi, I'm Dr. Wendy Labatt, the financial healer, and I'm here on Moments of Grace with Dr. Jerome Butler. Our podcast has been nominated for five SPIN Awards. I would like to thank you for listening and also for your votes to the nominating committee at the SPIN Awards. Thank you all so much for recognizing our moments of grace. And we pray that you have a day of grace. Thank you. This is your host, Dr. Adrian Butler, and welcome to A Moment of grace for my friends and loved ones out there for all the lovers in the air we welcome you to moments of grace um i remember when my wife and i first started dating one of the things i told her i needed was a partner i I didn't need anyone to walk behind me i didn't need anyone to walk in front of me i needed a partner truth be told dear hearts you know we we're up front uh had been divorced maybe three years before i met my wife and had gone through all of the, 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 you know, went through the Bible, went through the counseling, went through everything that I thought I needed to go through in order to help make my marriage work. One thing's for sure, dear heart, and as a coach, as a marriage coach, marriage counselor, uh, one thing I don't accept from my couples any longer. I used to love to hear them say, oh, I love you unconditionally. That's not true. So I've stopped letting my couples tell me that because we love each other unconditionally until conditions happen. The same person that you walk down the aisle with to get married to is not the same person you walk down the aisle with in divorce court. So there's there's some realities that we have to come to. And one thing I've found even in my own relationship, even in my own uh, search to help couples to uh, a happier marriage, is that we have to understand each other. There has to be a level of understanding. My guest, my guest today has written a powerful book about marriage, Equality, Quest for a Happy Marriage. And he was on Wall Street, a Wall, Wall Street analyst, but he has probably somewhat of the same story that I have, but his story is different because he's a different person. So we write, like to welcome to Moments of Grace, Tim Callis. Welcome, Tim, to Moments of Grace. Oh, Dr. Butler, thank you very much. I, I can't thank you enough for giving me an opportunity to, hear, to come here and talk on your show. I, I really appreciate the opportunity. Oh, my friend, it was, it's so good to have you here with us. With that said, would you introduce yourself? Because, you know, the, the, there's an old country saying to say that it's a mighty poor frog that won't croak in his own pond. So I'm going to give you an opportunity to croak in your own pond, my friend. Well, beautiful. And, and uh, so to get started, my dad was a cab driver. Okay? okay, so I want you guys to understand that I was raised poor. I'm nobody special. I didn't wasn't raised in any affluence or anything like that. In fact, the beginning of my story, when I was 12 years old, I told my mom I wanted to be a Catholic priest when I was 12 years old. Gotcha. And then I just and then I discovered girls. So that old career path kind of got derailed. But the point is, is I was raised with a moral compass. Yeah, gotcha. Put myself through engineering school, went back and got my MBA. And as you just said, I was the, actually the first semiconductor analyst on Wall Street to focus on the communications market. So that's my resume. I've got a pretty solid resume. But at the height of the market in 2000, it was actually a girl 
that I had known for about eight years, but she always had a boyfriend. I always had a girlfriend, but we got together when we were unencumbered. And as anybody knows who's falling in love, it happens very quickly. It's just same with us. We got together, two peas in a pod, fell in love, going to spend the rest of our lives together. But then we started fighting. But quite honestly, the tipping point was when we went to the therapist and I realized the therapist wasn't helping. That motivated me for taking on this issue. So the bottom line, just like what you said in Nobody has ever admitted their divorce was fun and maybe getting through it was good, but the process, it, it, it is such a painful experience. On top of that is when I realized that at least what I have discovered with my own research, there's not a lot of help out there. This behavioral advice does not work. And so right. what I do that's new is I address marriages mentally and psychologically. When you understand it from that perspective, it becomes really clear and understandable on how to make it work, why it doesn't work, and what you could do to get it back on the, on the right path. That's basically my background. Got you, got you. And, and now, Tim, as a as a analyst, um, your approach to, to marriage was analytical or you're looking at, at an, you know, because... Uh, you, you a Wall Street guy. I'm a I'm a day trader. I'm one of these crazy per- people out here that that, uh, that 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 want that that loves losing money. You know, <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> but you know, from from an analytical standpoint, um, is was that your approach, or was it more systematic or more analytical? Well, and let me explain what it means to be analytical, though. Okay. I was considered on Wall Street an expert in both the communications industry and the semiconductor industry. I could literally spend the next two hours telling you how your phone works. I obviously yeah, won't, but course. I could. Right, right. So the point is, is that background, when this painful, painful relationship ended, that is the approach that I used in analyzing the psychology industry. Mm-hmm. And it, let's just say it's a fascinating industry, and I don't mean that as a compliment. When mm-hmm. I got my head around on where the psychology industry is today and where it should be in order to be really helpful. So very analytical. So let me give you an example. Do you know who Carl Jung is? Oh, of course. I'm a, I'm a student of Jung, so go ahead, my friend. <laughs> okay. So for the people that are watching this that do not know who Carl Jung is, Carl mm-hmm. Jung was 19 years younger than Freud. Yeah. Freud looked up the young so much, he considered him not only his heir apparent, but his son. Mm-hmm. And we know Freud's theory is sex is what motivates us. It's not true. It was his yeah. theory, though. That's still the foundation of the industry today with the biology theory. But Jung and Freud had their famous breakup in 1912. Mm-hmm. And Jung went much further than Freud, Freud did yeah. in discovering how the mind works. In fact, one of the things I'm doing, Dr. Butler, is I'm actually enhancing some of Jung's concepts. His, his autobiography is called Memories, Dreams, Reflections. That's and 20% of my book is a summary of his autobiography that I read nine times mm-hmm. before I was able to effectively summarize it in my book. So one of the things I'm doing is I'm introducing to the masses. It's funny. I can tell somebody's really, really spiritual because they know Young. Young, to me, is the father of spirituality. So when you right. tell me you, you, you're a student yeah, of Young... But I'm not, a, I'm, not a, I'm not a Freudian. I'm not, Anna and, and, and Sigma and I... I I, we separate right there. More of an Adlerian, uh, uh, Adler, and, and Young, but I, I, I kind of separate with, with Freud a little bit. Well, Adler actually is the guy that came up with the power drive. Mm-hmm, but one exactly. of the things that I'm doing, the one characteristic 
that is present in literally almost every struggling relationship. There's one common characteristic among all of them, and that is control. 100%. Adler discovered the power drive. He doesn't discuss how to neutralize right. the power Right, how drive. to control it, right, right. And that's in essence what I'm doing. I'm explaining to people how they can neutralize the power drive because the solution to the problem is equality. Where there are no distinctions, there can be no superiority. Perfect equality affords no temptation for abuse or control. When you really create a marriage based on equality, I mean, look what you just said at the beginning of this. Yeah. I told my wife I want a partnership. That's all it is. And when you understand what a partnership is, the beautiful thing about a partnership is you bring in your skill sets, she brings in her skill sets, you submit to her skills, she submits exactly. to your 100%. skills. 100%. Exactly. And you guys understand who each other are. If you and I, Dr. Butler, were to start a business and we are both experts in sales, how successful is our business going to be, right? It's, not very successful. Not. Because mm -hmm. we're both doing the same thing. You, exactly. That's one of the interesting things about relationships with people that don't understand this is they want their partner to be just like them. No, you don't. No, you don't. <laughs> you want a yin and yang. You definitely do not. Yes. Definitely want a yin and yang. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you understand the background of, of women being more emotional, being more logical, in 1970, less than 1% of all law and medical degrees went to women. By 1990, that number was over half. Half of the progress is already accomplished. That is, yeah. women are just as educated, just as logical as men are. But it is still considered a weakness in our society. And I consider my biggest challenge on teaching men to be emotional. Mm. It's still considered a weakness. But how is a man supposed to relate to his wife unless he can understand it from that emotional level? We still think it's a weakness. For now, I cry. I'm, I'm not gay. Not there's anything wrong with it, as Jerry Seinfeld so famously said. But me as a more complete individual and a better partner, I am embracing my emotional side. And help me, Dan. Anybody wants to be critical of me for being emotional, I don't care because I realize that that is something I need to do to be a more complete person and a better partner. Well, let me ask you a question, Tim, because uh, don't you think, and and don't let me put words in your mouth, um, in your research and everything, ha have we had that 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 epiphany in the last twenty or so years with men? I, I see men. Case in point. Let me let me let me before you shake me out. Case in point. Um, there are more and more men. Seventy percent. I think the 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 last statistics from uh, Pew Research is that from 1970 until 19, excuse me, 2019, men are 70% more active in their children's lives than they ever were. That, that's, yeah, yes. Exactly. You know, and so, so uh, even with my own children, I remember my father was very stalwart. He was, you know, strict and everything else. Uh, the hugging part did not my kids will not let and grandkids will not let me get away with that. There's no way possible. My son, I love him to death. He is one of the greatest fathers that I've ever seen. He hugs his kids. And I wish I had been as open emotionally as he is. And so do you think we still carry those stereotypes uh, on men that we did 20, 30 years ago? Tim? So that is, that is a very insightful question, very insightful realization. Here's the way I answer that. So, and, and I'm saying the exact same thing that you just said, but I'm saying from my perspective, my dad was the oldest boy of 15 kids. Okay. And literally I can go back to the early 1800s and every generation is double digit kids. Yeah. 
So if one of my dad's siblings were to die, my dad's father never developed a connection with the kids. Right. So would exactly. he get pain? Would he feel the pain of one of his kids dying? Not as much as the mother would. Mother, right. Right. Okay. So men were not emotional with their kids. Mm -hmm. Okay. Just so you know, I have a 16 year old son and he is the heir that I breathe. He is everything. I show, I show that kid more. I realize I am very, very emotional with my son. Right. right. Because I realize that I'm going to give him, and he's a very emotional kid. Mm -hmm. You know, his mom's emotional. It's just, she should be as a mother, but I'm also an emotional father. That has changed. Right. If, if you were to go out and canvas, Men, if they were emotional with their kids today, like you said, with your son, fathers are emotional with their kids. Right, right. They just haven't figured out how to be emotional with their with wives. wives. That, there is you the, go. that is the downfall. There you go. I, I, I agree with that. I totally agree with that. Tim, what a great conversation. I'd like to take a, a small break. And when we come back, I want to sure. talk. Man, you, you're in my wheelhouse. I love this. This is this is me 100% right here. So I love yeah, we're this. We're just getting started. Just getting started, my friend. So we're going to take a small break. And when we come back, we want to get in more into our conversation. But we also want to talk about your book, okay? All right. This is your host, Dr. Ray Jerome Butler. And we're talking with Tim Kellis. And uh, Tim has written a book, Equality, uh, Quest for a Happy Marriage and, and Dear Hearts, as Tim is talking, you know, um, as I said before, our marriages are so important to society. Our marriages are so important to our communities and so important to the world. You, you know, the, I believe one thing that um, the counterculture, whatever you want to call it, uh, wants to do is to make sure that marriage is no longer important and marriage is important. And, it, and I'm going to say this, and some of my Females will get angry with me. That's fine. You know I love you, and, and you're gonna you're gonna love me regardless because you don't have any choice. Um, is that I, I posed a question to a group of, of of women on Facebook and and got some pushback, of course, um, from a biblical standpoint. Are you a queen? I heard all these women talk about they were queens, or are you a concubine? And, and my premise is this: w when you start having the baby shower before you have the wedding shower, things are are, are askew. We don't hold marriage to any high consequence any longer. We hold marriage to no, um, no place of, of, of royalty or no place of love as it should be. No place of moral high ground any longer. And again, I'm not taking a moral high ground. I'm just sure, I'm just talking about what I see in society. Used to be, used to be that, you know, you would have the marriage, the, the bridal shower um, before you would have the um, baby shower. And so I say again, just want you to ask yourself a question. If you're listening to me and you're, you're, you're hanging out with this guy and you guys are making a home and everything else and there's no commitment, ask yourself this question. Am I a concubine or am I a queen? A queen is royalty. She makes sure that she has her house in order and she makes sure that she loves the king. For the concubine, it's just a contractual marriage to have kids. Guys, we'll be right back. This is your host, Dr. Reed Jerome Butler. Wouldn't you like to start your day upbeat and motivated? Dr. Butler has written a wonderful book. It is called A Moments of Grace. It is a devotional for a busy life. You can get your copy at www.drajrbutler.com. 
And so we're back. We are back with Tim, who has written a book, Equality Quest for a Happy Marriage. Tim, how in the world can we have a happy marriage? Now, you say you solved it. So share with me how in the world can we seek to have a happy marriage? The re this is and, and one of the reasons why I'm about to say what I'm about to say is to convey the simplicity of what I teach. The reason why relationships are successful is because couples get along. Hmm. The reason why relationships are not successful is because couples don't get along. It is no more complicated than that. And what that comment does is it gets you focused on conflict resolution. Okay. Okay. If you can solve, that's why they're getting the solutions of quality, which means that I can't tell you what to do and you can't tell me what to do. Right. We have to come to terms together as a partnership. When you base the conflict discussion where nobody can make the decision unless they get concurrence with the other one, right. that's equality. Yeah. And so, let, so what I do is I break. This is where this is the real breakthrough when you understand what I'm about to explain. So there's two types of conflicts. One is a disagreement. So again, Dr. Butler, you and I are going to start a business. I'm the accountant and you want to buy a $5,000 computer and we can't afford it. Mm -hmm. right. So we now have a conflict, right? How are we going to solve that? We're going to discuss it. You're going to understand my side. I'm going to understand your side. It's going to be logical and focused on problem solving. That's what a disagreement is. But as we all know, the problem isn't the, the disagreement, it's the arguments. Yes. And so what I'm doing with an argument is I'm breaking down an argument into its component parts. First of all, if an argument is emotional, yes. it is backward looking and it is fault finding. But what you do, and here's the real breakthrough, is when you understand what I call the hierarchy of the argument which starts off as an insecurity, which is a fear and anxiety. So say your parents got divorced, mm -hmm. okay? You are now bringing that fear into yes. your marriage and that then creates what I call a prejudice, or which a prejudice. Mm -hmm. In fact, one of the things that you're hearing here for the first time, because I've never heard it anywhere else in the psychological world, is our mental problems are prejudices. Yes. Mm -hmm. which are preconceived opinions. Again, mom and dad got divorced. I now have a prejudice of marriage based on what I learned from my parents. Of course. That prejudice then leads to a judgment, to being judgmental, which then mm -hmm. leads to anger. Yeah, yeah. And so what I'm doing is I'm connecting the dots between fear and anger. This is the real breakthrough. When, if, if people were to understand that when their partner is angry, they're angry because of a fear. And if you could have the discussion around the fear and not the anger, then you can get to the source and you could solve the problem. So let me give you an example. So you come home late from work and your partner gets mad at you. Think about that dialogue. Now, the caveat here, this is the point about this, is you mm -hmm. are not out drinking with your buddies. You are right. Just doing coming what from you're work. supposed to be right. right. Okay. You're behaving morally, but you got that call at 5 p.m. It lasts an hour. You didn't think about calling your spouse on the way home. You get home and, and he or she's angry with you. What is the natural response? Fight or flight, right? Exactly. exactly. You're either going to respond in kind, you're going to get angry back at him or her, or you're going to flee and not do anything. If you could realize, and this is the real breakthrough, has nothing to do with you coming home late for work. Right, right. Low self-esteem, abandonment issues, mom and dad got divorced, whatever. And so the question I teach is, what are you afraid of? Whenever somebody gets angry, if you could be 
self-assured enough, and this is why you have to know who you are to be grounded enough to be able to respond without fight or flight, because you're, you're, you're behaving the right way, you're doing the right things, because that was the question that I tried to answer. If you're a moral person and you're behaving and you should be behaving, but you still get in trouble, you're mm. still, your partner still gets angry, it has nothing to do with you. You realize that your, your partner's afraid of something. The, the Chinese have a saying, and that saying is that history is a mirror. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The role, the function of a spouse is a mirror. And if yeah. you were to learn not to do this, but mm-hmm. to do this, right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Joel, I'm, I'm sure you do the same thing. You teach couples, wait a minute, what about you? Why? 100%. Exactly. Here's, here's the funny thing. I realize I don't think I will ever, ever find a problem in a marriage that, that is 100% one person's fault. I don't think it oh, will ever exist. Totally. I, I totally agree. Totally agree. But why is it I'm all right and you're all wrong? No, I'm all right. You're all wrong, right? They both have this 100% I'm right and 100% you're wrong stance. Because of the fear that's motivating them not to be able to hear another person. I agree. You know, we 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 kind of teach the uh, uh, kind of a tier concept um, when I'm going through marriage counseling, and this is one thing I always ask the question: In your relationship, is it ownership or is it partnership? You you, you understand? What I'm saying, Tim, is it ownership or is partnership? That's that's another reason why she's angry. You know, when you when you come in, I mean, there's that psychological piece or unconscious piece, but also uh, there's the ownership piece that when you can't listen to me, when I tell you I was on a call late, I'm sorry I made it home late, you know, X, Y, Z. But when we're in a partnership, I can hear you. I, I want to hear I want to hear the best out of you. One thing that 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 I feel also Tim is, you know, even though I'm a, I'm a minister, um, still Middle Eastern, truth is just truth. And, and one thing I've, I've taken from either Confucius or, or, or uh, the Tao Te Ching is, you know, desire, that thing of desire. If we can get rid of that thing of desire, um, then we can probably kill 90% of the problems we already have, you know, just wanting, always wanting. I want you to be the person I want you to be. I want you to be the person I imagine you to be. I want, I want, I want. And, and we, if we can ever just get within ourselves to say, instead of me just always wanting, what can I do for you? L- let, me, let me be your partner in all things. The, the other side, especially with my wife and I, we kind of, and we pray every day. And, and again, like I said, this is not a religious show. I'm just telling you what we do. We pray every day, but one thing we have done for the last 13 years, even when we were dating, we, we always said this, this, this is one thing we've already said. Um, let laughter, love, and joy be our currency with one another. That's our currency with one another. Has nothing to do with ownership. Has nothing to do with hatred. It has everything to do with what I owe you. I owe you love. I owe you an opportunity to laugh. We're not going to take things too serious. You know, and I think that's the other side is everybody feels they have to win. And that's what I'm telling, telling people, you know, when you are arguing with each other, there's no winners. When, when you've taken your stance that I'll die on this hill, there's no winners. And, 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 and when, but when you realize I have a partner, they have feelings as well. What can I do to, you can either acerbate it or you can quell it. 
what can I do to bring this to a peaceful resolution? And that's kind of where we're at. Also, um, when I look at it, one thing I always ask couples, when you look at your, the, what's wrong with your, your mate? And they tell me what's wrong with their mate. You know what I tell them, tell them, uh, Tim? I said, really what you're saying is, this is what I see wrong in me. That's really what you're saying. The mirror, right. Really what right. you're saying is, what I see wrong in you is really what I see wrong in myself. And they say, well, how in the world can that be? Because he's keeping the toilet seat up when I come into the bathroom. I say, because you're too selfish to put the, to the, the, to, uh, the toilet seat down. You're too selfish to want to put this toilet seat up. It's right there in your hand. <laughs> you can pick it up. That's really nothing to be angry about. But it's something deeper, as you said, Tim, there's something deeper to that. You're looking for a reason to have this argument or to be angry or to say that it's all your fault. You're looking for that. So it's nothing wrong with them. What you see is a reflection of yourself. And Dave, let me, if I, if I could for a second. Yes, definitely, you know, please. One, That's why we got you here. One, yeah, this is one of my favorite Carl Jung concepts. And so this is what I would, believe it or not, I'm about to describe to you an argument poetically. Okay, okay. And so what this does is when you understand what I'm about to explain to you, it allows you to, to, to look within the dynamics of an argument so you can break it down so it doesn't happen. Mm. So you're aware of what's taking place. Gotcha. Where there is fear, there is risk. There is a risk that the thread by which one hangs may be torn. Mm. Should that happen, one man tumbles into absolute affirmation another into an equally absolute negation where the pendulum of the mind oscillates between sense and nonsense, not between right and wrong. Right, exactly. Okay, mm -hmm. this fear lures men to extremes so that a simple truth is regarded as the truth and a modest mistake is equated with a fatal error. That is wow. the dynamic wow. that takes place when mm -hmm. an argument is going on. I can on. see that, my friend. I can see that. That's powerful. The simple truth is the truth. And once somebody stays on that one simple truth, that's, that's when right. fear is motivating them, mm -hmm. as opposed to being open their eyes up to a more expansive understanding of whatever's taking place between the two. Got you. Well, when you're working with couples, Tim, how do you, again, like I said, I think because, especially in America, we're so competitive. We're so competitive. And we have, and that's why I said, when, when I told my wife, I'm not worried about women's lib. I'm not looking at all that. I need a partner. I don't, I don't, I'm not, I'm not here to uh, subjugate you. I'm not here to do anything else, but to have you as a partner. How do we quell this sense of, I have to win at all costs, even though, and even though I'm married to somebody that I think I'm in competition with, they don't understand we're a partnership. <laughs> we're not in competition. So how do we get past that? That that I must win at all costs mentality or you're getting over on me. I, I've been been with couples that have said that and I know how I've dealt with it, but how, how would you deal with it, Tim? Well, what I ultimately teach and when this occurs, it's almost as if I can hear an audible click. When the light bulb goes on, mm -hmm. And couples realize that their goal is to take on the world instead of each other. There you go, buddy. There you okay? go. Okay. And the way you do that. So here's a phrase that I use to demonstrate this point. So it's easy 
for us to understand the person being controlled, the mm -hmm. imprisoning of the person being controlled. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But I'm also explaining to the person doing the control. Have, have you ever heard of the band Pearl Jam? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay. Eddie Vedder, lead singer of Pearl Jam. This is from a song of his called Hard Sun. Once I built an ivory tower so I could worship from above. But when I climbed down to be set free, she took me in again. Think about that. He's saying, I built a tower. I was better than my wife. And right. I was imprisoning myself by thinking I was better than my wife. Right. But when he climbed down from his ivory tower to look at her eye to eye, he set himself free. There you go. There you go. Beautiful. Because here's the way I here's the way I discuss equality, Dr. Butler. Give me one word that you would use to describe the concept of equality. Just one Sac word. Sacrifice. Okay, let me ask it this way. And I, what I'm doing is I'm demonstrating mm -hmm. a bigger point here. I got you. If you were enslaved, if you mm -hmm. were in bondage, mm -hmm. you had somebody that owned you mm -hmm. as a piece of property, what do you think equality would mean for that person? The person that owned you? No, no, the person being owned. Oh, you freedom, of course. Yeah, freedom, of course. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When mm -hmm. you base your marriage based on equality, you have the freedom to develop into who you're supposed to be. Mm -hmm. Your partner has the freedom to develop into who they're supposed to be. But here's the caveat. Enlightenment comes at a price. Yes. You have to give up your limitations. 100%. 100%. And that's the one thing we don't want to do. <laughs> well, there's one thing I can tell you that's probably true to both you and me is we don't have negative self-talk about each other right i've never said anything negative to myself exactly. about myself exactly but i recognize there are a lot of people i'm not good enough i'm dumb mm -hmm. I, I can't tell you how many people that i have an engineering degree and so i'm educated so i can't tell how many people that meet me and they, because of that they'll say i'm not very smart but then they'll continue with the same thing that i would say with whatever talking about but for some reason they believe that they're not smart but they're just a smart as the rest of us, it's, right. it's amazing how little people think about themselves. Well, well, you know, isn't isn't that part of the? Haven't we been conditioned that way though? I'm, I'm really being honest. You know, we we've been conditioned to have to place ourselves in groups and tribes and subcultures, and based on the society we're in, will based on how we see ourselves. Uh, I always tell the story. Um, I was raised in in New York. I had. Uh, I had a wonderful, wonderful childhood. Never, and when I say, uh, I understand I have eyes. Yes, I have eyes, but I'm not too smart. <laughs> Let me say that. I'm not too smart because even though I have eyes, the redhead Irish kid was my best friend. The little girl that was Puerto Rican was my first girlfriend. My uh, teacher, who was Jewish, um, and, you know, Haitian friends and just this whole melting pot. And so when people were talking about the subculture, we saw ourselves as New Yorkers, you know, not so much, you, you understand right. what I'm saying? Not so much the subculture as, as African-American, Spanish or whatever. We saw ourselves as, as cultures and not color. And, and so without having dynamic of somebody telling me I'm supposed to fit in somewhere, I never had that. So I never had that negative self-talk because I never had anybody talk to me negatively. Um, you know, fast forward 
to where I'm at now. It's too late. <laughs> you can't tell me anything. It's, it's entirely too late. So therefore, for myself um, and, and my wife as well, um, we are constantly speaking. That's why I said it has to be positive conversation. One thing I've learned, and I try to tell couples this, noise always asks for attention, but silence demands an answer. Let's just be silent for a moment. Not always talking, not always giving our opinion, but let's just be silent for a moment. Silence always demands an, an answer, where noise always demands an attention. You know, I'm those arguments demand you to answer it. It always demands attention. But if we're just silent, that's when we get, is everything all right? Are you okay? That's where the compassion piece starts to come in. Because if we care about that person, the silence tells me I need to respond in kind. At least that's my thoughts. And one of the things to add to that dialogue that is important for couples to learn, this is, it's, I, listen, I understand the psychological dynamics, why it's hard to do this, but so why do we need to fix this problem right now? I mean, you know, you've exactly. got, you're in an argument and it's exactly. like, we're going to solve this. You know, yeah, exactly. One, one of the things I realized as I've gotten older is it takes time, sometimes yes. a long time yes. for me to learn something. And I'm, I'm always trying to improve myself. That's a personal uh, thing that I've been doing my whole adult life. But I realized like right now, I'm, I've been working literally for the last couple of years on patience. That's been my personal project on myself so that I can learn to be more and more patient because that's what you're talking about, Dr. Butler. Yeah, exactly. All silence means is patience. Exactly. exactly. And, and, and your point is very good. I, I love that analogy because if your car is broken and you don't have anywhere to go, why, why do I need to fix it right now? Especially if I have another car. So same thing, you know, with, with this, why, if it's, if it's nothing that's pressing, if it's not a deal breaker, just give it some time. Why do we need to solve it right now? Uh, I ask couples also to, to take the 72 hour rule, you know, the, the, um, I, I forget when it was, uh, somebody wrote some years ago about impulse buying. Uh, if you can take 72 hours and then come back and see if you still want it. Same thing with the argument. Let's step away from it for 72 hours and then let's come back and see how important it really was. Beautiful. Let's come Beautiful. back and see it because do we still have the same passion, the same fire about it? Is it still that important? And a lot of times I have couples to come back and say, I don't even remember what we were arguing about. What were we arguing about, dear? You know, <laughs> those, those type things. Yeah, but here is, here is a big thing to learn for a successful marriage. In fact, I have a two-month weekly workshop and at the beginning of every weekly session I ask the same question what is the most important thing that I'm teaching you and here's the answer so it's life liberty and the pursuit of happiness okay okay when most people see that phrase they see pursuit of happiness mm -hmm. but what I do is I break life and liberty down life is morality taught to us by the church mm -hmm. all life is precious when it comes to relationships, morality manifests itself as empathy mm, or understanding your partner's feelings. I agree. Liberty, on the other hand, is a political concept, teaches about equality. And in relationships, equality manifests itself as respect yes. or understanding your partner's thoughts. Understanding your partner's feelings is empathy, understanding your partner's thoughts is respect. And so the point I'm obviously making if you can understand your partner's perspective, 
it, it, it either completely eliminates or significantly diminishes the anxiety behind the conflict. And let me give you an example that I use. Okay. Dr. Butler, do you get mad at slow drivers? Do I? Get mad at slow drivers. I, I, I'm learning patience, my friend. I do. Okay. But I, I'm learning patience. Go ahead. So I have solved that problem. Because okay. I used to get, I used to have a sports car. I used to get mad at slow drivers all the time, and I worked <laughs> okay. on that for years. Right. And right. I finally figured it out. And the answer that I used to solve the problem for me was when I realized that the slow driver was driving someplace too. Mm, okay. Exactly. When I was able to look at it from their their perspective, perspective that, there you go. There you go. All the anxiety behind a slow driver went away. But but imagine that analogy in a marriage. And you're able That's to right. see things from your partner's perspective. Do you realize what significance that would do to of your course. marriage and how easy it would, easier it would make your conflicts? Because you could each see each other's perspective. Again, That's right. the computer you and I were gonna you're gonna buy. You look at my side, I'm looking at your side, and because we're not emotionally attached to each other, we're mm -hmm. together. But there's such an emotional element to a marriage that you've got to be calm enough to reflect on what's going on from the other person's perspective. And this when you so do true. that, it simplifies things significantly. So true. So true. Tim, this has been wonderful, my friend. I really have appreciated having you here on Moments of Grace. Would you come back with this? I, I love this conversation. We're going to have to have you back uh, on season three and and, and maybe one, not just one time, maybe a few times, because I really enjoyed and, and this conversation. even if you want to do an interactive where somebody calls in with questions and stuff, I think you and I could really pound on somebody's problems if it's, if it's live. But uh, please, I, I greatly, greatly appreciate that opportunity. But thank you for giving me an opportunity today to, to come and chat on your, on your podcast. Wonderful, my friend. Uh, with that said, would you tell people how they can get in contact with you? Okay. Or how they can so get the your book as well. So the best way to do that, I have a free two-hour seminar. That's how I okay. get started with people. Okay. And the best way to do that would be to email me. My email address is my name, Tim Kellis, K-E-L-L-I-S, at happy <laughs> relationships, that word is plural, dot com. So Tim Kellis at happy relationships dot com. The other good way of staying in contact with me, I have formed on Facebook. The name of the group is called The Marriage Support Group. And as of the date of this recording, I have almost 19,000 members Crazy. in my That's group. Good. Again, it's called The Marriage Support Group. And one of the things I do is I allow other marriage experts, Dr. Butler, please join, please contribute oh, we will. to the dialogue. We will. Yeah, one of the things I do is I allow any marriage experts to come on because I've been kicked out of about a dozen groups because I was soliciting in their eyes because I was trying to help couples. So I started this group, which is, I think, a big reason why it's been as successful as it has by allowing other marriage experts. So people go and they post. I get nearly 100 posts a day. Wow. I've had problems with my, my marriage and I have posts that will have hundreds of comments. It's a very, very active group. So feel free to join me there but again the easiest way email me tim kellis at happyrelationships.com and we can set up this two-hour seminar to get their conversation started wonderful wonderful and, and i would i would encourage you dear hearts to to take tim up on his offer and and hear hear me closely hear me closely don't always think you need uh marriage counseling marriage coaching um after you're in trouble like i said before i just stated 
you know, we take our car to the any responsible. Let me say this responsible. Any responsible auto owner takes his car to have the oil changed, to have the tires kicked and everything, the maintenance done. It's called, uh, you know, preventive maintenance before it breaks down. That's the problem we have in our marriages, you know, e even with, with our money. If, if you're responsible and trying to save money, you're responsible with your retirement. You go to an expert before you're in problem. The guy that has a gambling problem doesn't go to the to the uh, uh, doesn't go to people like Tim, the analyst, to teach him how to 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 save money. He's he's gambling, so he has a problem. So, uh, same thing with our marriages, dear heart, is to go to um, go get some help before you need the help. You know, preventive maintenance for your marriage. And we Tim, wait you, until the worst possible moment. Exactly. To get help. We wait until we're on the verge of divorce to finally, before we finally wake up to get help. And we got to stop that. We've got to stop it. We've got to stop it. And I appreciate you, Tim. Thank you so much for being on Moments of Grace. And uh, we, we, like I said before, we're going to have you back, my friend. And so, Dr. To, Butler, thank you very much. I appreciate it. You're welcome, my friend. And so, uh, again, dear hearts, uh, reach out to Tim, and we look forward to having you back on Moments of Grace. You know, we love you so much. And for our married couples out there, you both are winners. You both are winners. You are the yin and the yang. Uh, you were put together for a reason. There's a good friend of mine. I love him so much, Dr. Henderson. He always says, if the rib fits, there's no irritation. And so the only way to make sure there's no irritation is to make sure the rib fits. So with that said, we love you guys. Remember, love God, love life. Keep the light on. We'll see you next time on Moments of Grace. Take care. Bye-bye.